Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Come on, let's try that again. How's everyone doing this morning? Great, very good. That's right, I'm your backup preacher. Lucky you. Second choice, first loser. Isn't what second place is? Second place is the first loser. I told my kids that the other day. My wife snarled at me. (laughs) She didn't like my philosophy on that. Um, But that's right, as uh, Tammy said, Pastor Dave is, um, he had the privilege that the Lord wanted him to do something different this morning than he had planned. Uh, he was flying back from, he's, he's doing his master's program right now. He was flying back from Toronto. Is that right, Pastor Kim? Chicago. So he was flying back from Toronto. I got a text at 5 this morning that said his flight from Toronto to Kelowna got canceled yesterday, but he was on one that was to arrive at 9.45, but it was delayed till 10.07. So he's like, so I should be okay. That's not exactly what he said, but that's how I read it. <laughs> um, to later discover that that flight also got canceled. All I'm really curious is what airline did he book with? Because obviously whatever airline he booked with, none of us want to book to Toronto with. Does that sound right? How many of you want to guess that it was Flair or Swoop? Oh, it was Air Canada. Well, I don't have anything to say about that. Um, as, uh, as Tammy mentioned, uh, we are a church uh, that has more than one location. So I spend... Uh, a dominant amount of my time in our Vernon location. And every once in a while, I get to travel around and be here in our Kelowna location or in our Revelstoke location. And uh, and it's really great to be a part of a church that has multiple locations. It's really great to see Justin up here and Amy up here. I don't know, is this their... F- what about us? Well, <laughs> you're, just, you're just pillars, <laughs> fixtures. Is this your first Sunday serving up here? Oh, why don't we give them a hand? Taking ownership. Let this be an example. If you're not serving on a team, you should be. Oh, it got a lot more silent after that, didn't it? Serving in the church is one of the best ways to get discipled and to grow. So many people show up to church week after week, week after week, year after year, and ask why they're not growing. And relationship is what grows you, not attendance. You have to let people into your world, and team lets people into your world, because I know when, when I've got a team and someone shows up late, I'm in their world, <laughs> talking about things that you know help our lives. Um, if, if you wonder, uh, just, just to give myself some permission here for a moment, if you wonder why I haven't started my message, we're actually waiting for the Vernon location to broadcast in as well. Uh, because of the change, I was supposed to be preaching Vernon, and if I don't pause appropriately, Vernon will be very sad to miss me, as you were also sad to miss Pastor Dave, right? <laughs> um, but it's, it's great to be here. I think worship was great. Did, don't you think so? Did you, did you feel God in that space? Worship is about encountering heaven. It's about having heaven encounter earth. It's about getting to a space where the possibilities of the impossible become possibilities again. And we need a reminder. I think sometimes we we ask this question, um, 
we ask this question, why we do the same thing every week? Or even why do we go to church every week? Because so much of my week tells me to focus on other things. And Sunday is a, a reignition, a reset moment to reignite myself, to recognize the power of what Jesus has done in my life, the power of what worship will do in my life as I refocus to right. All those things that seemed really big and impossible earlier this week, God with you, they're nothing but small issues. Whenever an issue is bigger than God, we don't need the issue to get smaller. We need our understanding of who God is to get bigger. God is infinitely large, infinitely beyond any of the problems that we have, relational, financial, health-wise, any of those things that could hang us up from getting the, uh, the fullness of what God has for us. We just need to have a greater understanding of the fullness of who God is in us. The, the, the litmus test, if you will, or a litmus test, if you will, is if something um, feels impossible, health, finance, relationships, then it means that there's an area that God wants to grow you and develop your faith and understanding of who he is. Because I then get the opportunity to learn that God is a provider. I then get the opportunity to learn that God is a healer. I then get the opportunity to expand my knowledge of who the God of heavens is. It's amazing sometimes we can believe that God created the earth, but we don't believe he can be involved in our life. Yes, God, you created the mountains, but you know this mountain of my finances is too great for you. No, that person who cut me out of their life 10 years ago, that relationship restoration is too great for you. Again, these are just these moments that God tells us and, and brings us to a place to get a greater revelation of who God is. God is able and available to be a part of anything that we have in our world. Do you believe that? Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, I'm excited to share this morning. Um, in the midst of a, a series that we started at the beginning of the month, this is week number three. You can't get there from here. Why don't you repeat after me? You can't get there from here. You can't get there from here. Good job, Pastor Kim. You repeated it two times. Uh, this series has been really wonderful. Uh, last week you had Bob Strugnell sharing here. Wasn't that great? Yeah. It's, he's, he's really encouraged. The week before, Pastor Dave was sharing, um, and he got his one message in of the series. <laughs> and uh, we now have, hey, why don't we just, for a moment, why don't we just welcome the Vernon location as they've now joined us online. <laughs> like, great, Pastor, so I can stop waffling. Everyone in Vernon's like, amen. <laughs> They're just used to it. I haven't been preaching uh, regularly in Vernon, so it just means that in every opportunity I got on platform, I had to preach many messages um, to get my preacher out on that. Um, but we are, we're in this series, uh, you can't get there from here. And uh, I'm going to now dismiss the beautiful musicians behind me that I've forgotten about that are behind me. Why don't we give the musicians a hand as they leave? I know. Great. Uh, I feel a little like uh, Paul this morning. Uh, Paul would write to the Corinthian church. He said, if God wills it, I'll be with you. I feel like that a little bit in Vernon this morning. Like, well, if God wills it, I'll be there next week to share on this message. But uh, it's great that we get to uh, lean in and, and lean around this. And... Um, the idea behind this series, you can't get there from here, really started off of a concept of legalism. How many of you know what legalism means? 
Very few of you. That's what I wondered, is how many of us knew what legalism means? Because it's great to talk about something that we want to address in our life, but it's really hard if we aren't addressing something that we understand what we're addressing. And legalism is an aspect of the Christian life that sometimes props up, and I'd say the average person would believe that legalism is not good, but sometimes if we don't know what we're defining, we enter into things that aren't good for us because we're defining the wrong things for us. Um, and, and this has been a series on legalism, but within that, it's also been a series digging into the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians is written by Paul, and Paul writes the book specifically to address the idea of legalism. Uh, and if you're writing the title, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read uh, an opening scripture, give you my title, pray, and then we're going to get into it. Sound good? Yes. I just need to delete. I need to close the uh, iMessage that's open on my phone or my computer because everyone in Vernon keeps sending me messages now. Yeah, the drummer stopped sending me messages, though, so that's good. Uh, so why don't we open up? Can you throw that first scripture up on the screen for me, team? The second scripture, then. There we go. My old self, this is Galatians 2, verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've titled this message this morning for all of you who are taking notes and would like to write this at the heading, The Biggest Man on the Teeter-Totter. The title of my message is The Biggest Man on the Teeter-Totter. Apparently, teeter-totter doesn't mean anything outside of Canada. So seesaw, for those who don't know what a teeter-totter is. Oh, teeter-totter didn't mean anything? Great. I thought that wasn't relevant. I was wrong. Why don't you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're present here in Kelowna. You're present online. You're present in Vernon. Holy Spirit, I thank you that in you, freedom is accessed. In you, truth prevails. God, I pray that this morning you would give me the right words to communicate your desire in this message this morning. Let us find freedom and let us step fully into it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the book of Galatians is written by Paul. And I'm sure you've heard a little bit of a, about this over the last couple of weeks. And it's predominantly written around one central issue, the issue of circumcision. Paul is writing this book to the, to the Galatian church because he's already been with the Galatian church. He's spent time with them. And what's happened is he's preached the gospel. Everyone say gospel. Gospel means good news. So he's preached the good news of Jesus, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That is the gospel, complete, fullness, right there. And he's preaching to the, to the Galatian church, but what's happened is as he's been away, other people have come in and they've added to it. They've added other concepts and other pre presuppositions. They've added other elements that entitled what the gospel was. And he comes to them, and he comes to them quite angry, actually, that so quickly they've turned away from the basic thing. And yet it's funny, although Paul brings us to the Galatian church, it's just as relevant to our church today is the very basic things of what salvation is or what the gospel is so easily and so, so readily do we add things to it thinking that we need more than just the gospel to be suffice in our life. So he brings around this issue because Paul was a Jewish man. So in the Jewish faith, a very important detail of your faith was circumcision. 
Circumcision was instituted by God with Abraham as a sign of a promise that God gave that Abraham would fill the nations, that Abraham would have children, and that he would be God's chosen people. Now, it's interesting that the, the sign of circumcision was not the promise itself. It was a sign of the promise. But yet, as time went on, it became a picture of what the promise was to them. It was as though if you were not circumcised, you were not a part of the promise. But it was only ever meant to be a sign of the promise. So this is what Paul's addressing in the letter to the Galatians. He's addressing the fact that he's come and he said that Jesus' salvation, his death, burial, and resurrection is the good news. But people have come to you and said, yes, Jesus' death, death, burial, and resurrection is good news, but also you need to be circumcised. And Paul says, what are you talking about? Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is salvation in complete package. There is no need for circumcision. What is circumcision, he says. And this is where this, this, um, uh, this scripture comes out of. This idea that, that we have to recognize what salvation is. So I asked the question earlier, what is legalism? And we're going to get into that in a moment. And if I was to give this a more churchy title, but I don't like to, you know, this title will forever be the biggest man on the teeter-totter. But if I was to give this a more churchy title, I'd give it the title this. I'd say salvation, legalism, license, and liberty. Salvation, legalism, license, and liberty. So the first question that we have to answer and, and it's funny, we can come to church whether you've been here a hundred times or this is the first time here. We can come to church, and so often, if I was to go right now and I was to ask Scott, what is salvation? If I was to ask Noel, what is salvation? If I was to ask Lynn, what is salvation? Would we all have a different answer? Do we know what it is that we are saved from? Do we actually know what salvation is here in this place? Or are we using the term salvation and it means something very different to each individual in this room? Sort of the same thing that Paul's talking about to the church. He's like, I brought you one gospel and now other people are bringing you other gospels. Let's return to the gospel. What does it mean to be saved? What is it that we are saved from? In our society today, we may not be uh, the, the sort of people that really even like to talk about the idea of salvation. Because salvation means that there's something we need to be saved from. The first thing that we must come to grips with before we can have right relationship with Jesus is that there is not right relationship with Jesus. Before we can be saved, we must recognize that we have something to be saved from. That's not very popular in an individualist society. I actually think the, the whole idea that, that, that Paul's getting around here is, is very pertinent to our society today. So what is salvation? Salvation is is simple if we want to break it down. It's Jesus. The good news is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Salvation is a reconciliation story. Salvation is about giving me the opportunity to have a reconciled relationship with Jesus. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection pays for my salvation so that I can now have a relationship with Jesus. I'm saved, and what is saved? Saved is reconciliation to Jesus that I become reconciled to Jesus. Most of us think saved is saved from the consequences of our bad decisions, saved from the evil things that I've done, forgiven. It's all of those things, but primarily it is the reconciliation of relationship with Jesus. And this is very important. 
Because if it is about what, what, uh, what Jesus has washed away from me, just if it is about the bad things that I've done and now I don't have to worry about them, I don't have to think about the bad things anymore. And when I do another bad thing, I don't have to think about that bad thing again because Jesus saved me. If it's that, then it's always going to lean itself towards what we call legalism. Because legalism is the basis of earning salvation based on works. Pastor Dave wrote it this way in the notes that he gave us uh, in advance of these messages, that, that, um, that legalism is finding your worth by your works. Your worth by your works. But salvation is a free gift from God to reconcile us in a way that only Jesus could do, to reconcile us to relationship with him. If it's about my bad deeds alone, then I can do good deeds to access it. So this is the scripture we want to dig into today, and it's the first scripture that the team put up, and you can throw it up again, please. Galatians 5, verse 13, he says, For you have been called to live in freedom. Everyone say freedom. freedom. All right, we'll do that so that everyone can say freedom. Say freedom. freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom. Everyone say freedom. 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 Vernon, I didn't hear it. Freedom. to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Society today has a lot of things that we call freedom. And I think this scripture feels so pertinent to our world today because so much of what society calls freedom is just bondage with a title called freedom. Again, it's that place where these definitions of these words become very important to us. What is freedom? Is freedom the opportunity for me to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want? Because that would seem like not freedom to someone that that affects. But yet in society, that seems to be what we talk about, freedom. So salvation, we've defined that. We've defined salvation as the reconciliation of relationship with Jesus by his death, burial, and resurrection. What do I need to do to be saved, to have that reconciliation with Jesus? I need to recognize and believe and agree with his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again three days, rose again three days later to reconcile me to relationship with him. The gift of salvation is not heaven, people. This is what church history seems to have taught us or we've started to believe for a long time is, is that salvation is the monopoly get out of jail free card. Salvation is the he- get out of hell free card. But salvation is none of that. Salvation is the reconciliation with right relation with Jesus. Your reward for salvation is not heaven at the end. It's Jesus at the now. Yes. It's Jesus in the moment. It's the fact that I can pray and know that Jesus is there. I can reach out to him in my times of need and know that he's there. I can worship him and encounter him in a space like this. I can get around a community of people that love Jesus and find him in this space. Let us not be a people who are waiting to that moment for the prize that Jesus has given us already. It's because we think we were saved from hell. No, you were saved to be reconciled with Jesus. You were saved in that relationship that you could not reconcile. So we have this, this idea of freedom. So I, I was reading a commentary on this, and um, i got to write down, i got to open up his name here because I forgot. His name is Dr. J. Vernon McGee. You know, I was going to be preaching in Vernon, so it felt appropriate. You know, so obviously he had good things to say because his name was Vernon, right? No one's laughing. Thank you. 
hopefully they're laughing in Vernon to make me feel better. Wonderful. And he was, he was a, uh, he's a, a British or, or he's a, a theologian and he wrote this commentary and it was beautiful and he talked about the reality of what freedom was. So this, can we leave that scripture back up if, if you don't mind in um, Galatians 5.13? So this scripture is, is nearing the end of Galatians. So Paul has, he's addressed the issue of uh, circumcision and non-circumcision about people trying to add to the gospel of what Jesus, or what Paul brought, that the gospel is the good news of who Jesus is, his death, his burial, his resurrection. So he's, he's, he's trying to tell them, like, circumcision doesn't really mean anything one way or the other, that Abraham was given the promise before circumcision, et cetera, et cetera. So he says, you have been called to live in freedom. Because in reconciliation with Jesus, we then have freedom. Yes. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. So there are three areas that in Abe, or there's three different ways that we can, we can look at this. And, and, and we have... We have freedom from Jesus. We have his death, burial, resurrection that gives us freedom in relationship with him. And we, we can sort of respond in three ways. And this is where I get the idea of a teeter-totter because it's immediately what I thought. Have you ever been on a teeter-totter? I know it's been some years for some of us in the room, myself included. But a seesaw, for those who don't know. And the teeter-totter sort of goes like this, right? In it, this way or that way. And ideally on a teeter-totter, you wanted two equally balanced people because then you can sort of teeter-totter. You can go this way. But you know that time where you know, the, the kindergartner gets on one side and the grade seven-er gets on the other side and then doesn't let the kindergartner down because they think it's funny? I remember that. I was never the grade seven-er. <laughs> but if there was an out of balance, it leaned one way versus the other way. And then what would happen? The, you know, the big person would get off and boom, right? Like, yeah, okay. Some of you still have the bruises, I get it. But the idea was to have this balance between it. And if you want to picture with me legalism sitting on one, one side and license sitting on the other side. And these are the things we're trying to find the balance into what I want to call liberty or freedom in the middle. So we have this idea of legalism that is that if I do all the right things, I will then earn my salvation in Christ. That I will then earn my relationship with Jesus. Because how many of you know that we do not deserve the relationship with Jesus? I know it's, it's fresh news to some of us. We do not deserve the relation with Jesus, which is why we cannot obtain it without Jesus. If we deserved it, we could obtain it. And legalism is this idea that all the things that I do will get me closer to that. And it's funny. I think it's the human nature. We find out that Jesus saved us, that he died on a cross, his death, burial, and resurrection made a way for us. And then immediately as we start walking out the Christian life, we add things that we need to do in order to be saved. That actually, Jesus saved me, but if I don't read my Bible three times this week, maybe Jesus didn't save me. All right, Jesus saved me, but if I miss church more than four times this year, maybe Jesus will forget that he saved me. Okay, Jesus saved me in this free gift, but if I don't pray at least once this week for five minutes... Jesus maybe didn't save me. All right, Jesus saved me. It was a free gift, but if I cut that person off in traffic, well, Jesus will forgive that, of course. Do you know what I mean? We start to add these things that become prerequisites to the saving grace of who Jesus is. That is what we call legalism. It's this idea that these things make a way for us. It's the fact that Paul speaks to the Galatian church, and although they recognize the freedom that Jesus has given them, they start adding back the things that they've known before circumcision, special days, 
uh, Martin Luther, he was, the, he was known as the, um, uh, he started the Lutheran church, but he, he nailed a, a thesis on the Catholic church because he found a number of uh, indis- or discrepancies between what the Catholic church was preaching and what the scripture was preaching. And uh, he, was, he, he says a lot around these scriptures about, about the um, circumcision and these sort of things. And he says it's interesting that, that the Galatian church was trying to earn their salvation by good works. But good works weren't what we define good works. If I was to ask you good works, we would think good works are, you know, feeding the poor. Good works are, uh, you know, picking up hitchhikers or having an extra meal around the table. But the good works to the people of that day, what they were defining those were not good works as we think about them, but they were religious practices as they'd known in their heritage. So they were the good works of circumcision. They were good works of keeping those festivals. They were the good works of making sure that these outward things happened the way they were supposed to do. But it wasn't the good works that we think of that is the, uh, the charity, charity or the generosity to other people. It's interesting, when you read that scripture, you don't, you don't find that revelation in that in the same way. So we know that legalism is trying to add something to what Jesus does. So then we have, we have the teeter-totter, and immediately what happens is if we're trying to step out of legalism, we step onto the other side and we call it license. License says this, Jesus died for me, and there's nothing I can do to separate me from the love of Jesus, therefore I can do whatever I want. I then have license. I have license to sin, a word we don't use very often, but I have license to do wrong because Jesus already forgave me. He'll forgive me again. If Jesus' salvation is for one purpose, predominantly, right relationship with him. Let's remove the salvation thing for a moment and let's think of any relationship. Think of a relationship near you. Best friend, child, spouse. Is it that you go on date night every Thursday at 7 p.m. that earns your love from them. And if you miss date night at 7 p.m. on Thursday and it happens to happen on Friday at 5 p.m., then their love will be missing from you. This is legalism. License is this. My wife will never leave me. Therefore, it doesn't matter if I get her anything, if I say I love her, if I come home when she wants, if I do the things that she asks, if I show her any affection whatsoever because she will never leave me. I have license. It's easy to understand that in the concept of human relationship. But this is actually the same concept within Jesus' relationship with us. Are we trying to obtain something that if I don't get to church at 10 a.m. every Sunday, Jesus will forget about me? Maybe, maybe let's take that home a little bit. Legalism is this, right? Legalism is if I, I must be at church every Sunday or God will not love me and God will not show, shine his face upon me. License is this. I don't have to be a Christian to go to church. I don't have to. I do, thank you. Let me try it again because I sense apparently I have failed or taken license. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I feel like I have the peanut gallery of Vernon in here with me. <laughs> it's these things, but, but we know that neither of those are true, right? That actually if you miss a Sunday at church, Jesus still loves you. If you, if you miss a, a Bible reading, Jesus still loves you. 
I'm going to talk about this next week, and, and Bob talked about it a, bit, a little last week, but it's the idea of trying to save your streak on the Bible app. <laughs> it's like, have you noticed it doesn't matter if you actually read the Bible to save your streak? That's legalism. It's not actually about whether I read the Bible. It's about my appearance. That's what Bob was talking about last week. That's what I'll talk about in Vernon next week. But license is the other end. It's, it's saying that, that Jesus has paid it all, therefore I have to pay nothing. I can treat him with disdain. I can treat him with distance. Inevitably, if we, we end up in legalism, we're going to end up in license. Because it's the, it's the elastic band, the rubber band snap effect that, that, I de, that I detest what happens in legalism, so I swing right to license, that I can do all things. What's the scripture say? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Some people go, everything's permissible. I don't remember the last part of that verse, but everything's permissible. Yeah, but not everything's beneficial. Right? It's this tempering. We've got to be careful we don't have the heaviest man on the teeter-totter on either side. You took the scripture down. I didn't give you permission. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. What he's saying is, hey, you've gone, you've gone and you've tried to make liberalism, or sorry, legalism a part of your understanding of the gospel. But be careful that you don't let go of that and then end up over here where you've got this freedom that is satisfying your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Here's a great uh, understanding of, of how uh, freedom should look. Because we have so many different definitions of freedom these days. And, and I've looked over the last couple of years, and, and I think people have um, they've missed it when they've thought about the idea of freedom. And here's what I, I realized as I was studying and meditating on this, is legalism is all about self. Legalism is a focus on self. If I do all of these right things, if I do all of the right steps, then therefore Jesus will look rightly upon me. License is all about self. It's all about self-focus. Well, I have freedom in Christ, therefore I can do whatever I want. You know that example I gave about marriage? Oh, they will never leave me, therefore I can do... Well, that seems fairly selfish, doesn't it? Seems fairly self-focused, doesn't it? Because here's the reality is, is, is a, um, freedom, which is what the NLT, uh, they translate this as. Another version calls it liberty. And I like the word liberty because we don't use it very often. We're not in America, so you know, it's not liberty and justice for all, so we don't have to worry about that. But here we don't use the word liberty. So I can use the word liberty and I can help define it for you where freedom has too many definitions for it. Yeah. Funny story, I went down to LA uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And I was flying down to uh, visit a church down there, and one of the pastors had called me before I was in the airport. He's like, are you excited to come to the land of the free? I said, that's not what we call it. Because <laughs> freedom means something different, right? But liberty, this is what one of the other definitions call it, liberty. We have legalism, we have license, but we have liberty. And liberty is the only one in the balance between the two that is not self-focused. If you, if you want to find a litmus test for whether I am living in legalism or whether I am living in license, it's whether you are living for yourself or you are living for others. 
As Christians, we are called actually not to put ourselves at the forefront of things, but to put others at the forefront of things. Can we go back to that scripture, the scripture number two you had there? In Galatians 2, <clears throat> verse 20, it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. That means you no longer live. So your freedom is no longer a part of what you are attesting for. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Liberty is having the freedom to be able to bring other people into freedom. Liberty is having the freedom to be able to think about others over myself. Because I am free, I can then be other things on behalf of other people. At what point in your life does doing something charitable for someone else define freedom as we talk about freedom? Wait, freedom is giving my money to someone? Freedom is stopping and praying for someone who's hurting when it's inconvenient to my life? We have a societal definition of freedom. Freedom says, well, I don't have to stop and do that because I am my own person. No, no, but liberty in Christ, freedom in Christ is because you are free in Christ, you take the liberty to stop and care for the needs of others. You take the liberty to care for those who need things. You, you, you look at people not as what you can get, but uh, what you can bring into society. Can you throw up that third verse for me, if you don't mind? 1 Corinthians, this is Paul's letter to the Corinthian church as well. It says this, but you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. When did we last think about our freedom as this reality? My freedom is actually placed upon me so that I can make sure that other people can find freedom. This scripture is written, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. They're having a debate about meat uh, sacrificed to idols, meat blessed by idols. And some are saying you can't eat meat blessed by idols. Some are saying you can eat meat blessed by idols. And this is the tension when you come from uh, a Jewish society that finds Christ and a Gentile or non-Jewish society that finds Christ. They come with their different cultures and beliefs. It's, it's really the tension of this church and every other church. Every one of you have come in with your own sort of beliefs, and we're now trying to mesh them together and get in line and be okay. Some of you have no issue with alcohol. Others of you have issue with alcohol. We're trying to figure out how do we let that liberty exist, right? This liberty exists in the middle, and, and what Paul's saying here, he says, if someone around you has a poor conscience, liberty says you refrain to protect their conscience. That's not the freedom that has been spelled out to you over the last five or six years in society. The freedom that is expelled to you in society would say that that was bondage, not freedom. Because society calls freedom what is bondage. And Christ calls bondage freedom. That one I said right. They're trying to process it. That's good. You're processing it. It's good. But you know what I mean? Because where in society, if I saw, well, this person's not okay with alcohol, so, well, they're not okay with alcohol. In society, we would call freedom. If I'm sitting at a table, someone's not okay with alcohol, and I'm okay with alcohol, my freedom is to have the alcohol. But liberty is to refrain from the alcohol to protect the individual. Because I am free, I can provide freedom for others who are in bondage. None, none of us would ever... If we were sitting, I'm just going to use this alcohol issue because it's, it's a bit more pertinent than circumcision. We could talk about circumcision if you'd rather. Sure. You know? Yeah? <laughs> oh, 
Um, you know, alcohol is, it's a funny thing, is, is um, you know, for, for some of us, we have, uh, some people have issues with alcohol. They've dealt with alcoholism, their family has history of alcoholism, those sort of things, and to have a drink would be, in conscience, a sin. Do you understand? And, and it sometimes it's hard for us who don't have that to put ourselves in the shoes of someone who does have that propensity or that thing. And out of love, freedom with love, then puts myself in their shoes and refrains from something that I'm okay with to be okay with someone else. Because I would rather have a church that, ha- that is full of recovering alcoholics than have my beer. But that's the choice we're talking about here. And that's not what we read when we hear freedom from society. Freedom says, I have the right to my beer. And if that's your issue, that's your issue. But Christ's way is if you have an issue, I'll make it my issue to protect you. We are called to stand up for the rights of others. If you are standing up for your own personal rights that do not affect other people, and you have to hear this appropriately because it could be skewed wrong. If I'm standing up for my right to have alcohol, my right to have that parking spot that that person took, or, you know, because people become entitled to these things, right? Like whatever it is. Like if I stand up for that, I'm probably leaning more on liberalism or license because liberty is about protecting the needs and the desires of other people. When you stand up for the rights of the marginalized, when you stand up for the rights of the poor, when you stand up for the rights of the downtrodden, then you are exemplifying freedom in Christ. Because what were we saved for? We were saved for relationship with Jesus. Relationship with him. So I already have my prize. My prize isn't this or that. My prize is Jesus. And so often we've forgotten that. Our prize isn't the assembly of the saints. Our prize isn't worship music. Our prize isn't, our prize isn't even the ability to read the scripture. These are all great things that people have fought for over time. They've fought for our ability to gather together and have worship. They've fought for our ability to sing psalms and hymns. They've fought for our ability to have access to the scripture because that wasn't always the case. They fought for the ability to think, but the prize and the gift alone is not my access to scripture and my ability to save my 350-day streak on Bible app. It's my access to Jesus. And when that becomes the prize, and when that becomes the clarity of the prize, all the other things fall away. And then our freedom can't cause other people to stumble because our freedom isn't about us. Because what? No longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So this is my litmus test for you. Because I just always think it's important is um, you have to have a way to identify these things. If I am solely concerned about how this is mine, I'm probably landing on either legalism or license. Liberty is concerned about how it affects others. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation with Jesus. Jesus' salvation is complete in this. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. No addition needed. If you believe in that, whether you ever attend a Sunday service or not, you found Christ. Whether you ever read your Bible or not, you found Christ. Whether you pray or not, you found Christ. 
Now, out of that relationship with finding Jesus, because I've been saved to have a relationship with him, you know, when I find a relationship, I learn more about that relationship. I spend time in that relationship. It's not like, great, I met Jesus then, and 20 years later, I haven't seen him since. Did you find Jesus on the corner of the street and never find him again? I want to read this from Martin Luther, because um, uh, I just think it's great. It's, it's on his commentary of this verse, Galatians 5.13. And it says, For and for us, we are obliged to preach the gospel which offers to all men liberty from the law, sin, death, and God's wrath. We have no right to conceal or revoke this liberty proclaimed by the gospel. And so, we cannot do anything with the... Remember, these are his words, not mine. Uh, And so we cannot do anything with the swine who dive headlong into the filth of licentiousness. We do what we can. We diligently admonish them to love and to help their fellow men. If our admonitions bear no fruit, we leave them to God, who will in his own good time take care of these disrespecters of his goodness. In the meanwhile, we comfort ourselves with the thought that our labors are not lost upon the true believers. They appreciate this spiritual liberty and stand ready to serve others in love and through, though their number is small, the satisfaction they give us far outweighs the discouragement which we receive at the hands of the large number of those who misuse this liberty. Paul cannot possibly be misunderstood, for he says, Brethren, you have been called unto liberty. In order that nobody might mistake the liberty of which he speaks for the liberty of the flesh, the apostle adds the explanatory note, Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Paul now explains at the hand of the Ten Commandments what it means to serve one another in love. Those who have liberty, be careful that your liberty does not become an occasion to the flesh, but your liberty is used to serve one another. While you bow your heads, I'm going to pray. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.